0: Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com.
1: Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. He's <laughs> <to> <laughs> it through, Wesley! He's the ball! That is a gigantic goal from a man who was made in the whole game and he delivers in London when it really matters for Aston Villa. Bridge! Oh, brilliant! Helps it on to and
0: Konza! Konza gold for Hello and welcome back to the Gathering the Lamp podcast brought to you by Under a Gaslit Lamp. There's no mark this week, but we're, we've got a lot to discuss from the past week or so in the Villasphere, dissecting the Brighton match to the troubling reports around hate crime in the stands. I'm Regan. You can find me on Twitter at findfoy. And this week, I'm joined by Andy.
1: Hi there, Regan. Um, good to be back. Um, I'm Andy. I'm. You can find me at uh, at k2 underscore villa. Um, and yeah, we've got got a fair bit to discuss. But I mean, it's it's not all uh, not all too good this week after the after last week's um, you know waxing lyrical about the club. It's all gone a, a little bit sour this week, but. Um, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll get into it and uh, put a, put a slightly happier spin on things, maybe.
0: Yeah, I was going to say it's going to come across as quite a negative podcast, but that that certainly isn't the case. You know, it's it's just things that we have to talk about, and and obviously one of those things is is the loss to Brighton. Um, Villa's latest game saw them involved in their first Saturday 3pm kickoff in around 11 months and it was a bit surreal to be watching televoice football during the usual blackout period. Villa suffered an early blow in this game as Ross Barkley limped off with a hamstring tweak in the first couple of minutes. You know, it's it's always a worry when a player pulls up seemingly with with no reason. Um, you know, it was replaced by Bertrand Traore in an attacking move from, from Smith. You know, many fans were surprised that it was Traore and not Huruhan who replaced Barkley. But you know, he, he, what did you make of this early change? And is this Barkley injury perhaps a sign of the strain that players are under in the c- current circumstances?
1: Well, it's just very disappointing to see him to see him go off so early. I think it was what is it a, a minute or two into the game and. You know, you're looking forward again to seeing um, Barkley and, and Grealish in particular linking up and doing their thing. You know, against you know a, a side that um, yeah, v- very well organised. But I'm sure they'd have over the ninety minutes, they'd, the two of them would have had the measure of them of them really. You know, and it was it was it was just a, a you know a, a real shame. And I think like me, like everyone, were expecting Hurrahan to come on and just slot in there into midfield and and maybe see uh McGinn pushing pushing forward a little bit um but no we got, we had uh Ray um approach the the touchline and I have to say I was I was um I was surprised but kind of pleasantly surprised really I thought it shows that you know they're not just getting the injury and then reverting um you know, to to perhaps a more defensive shape. They've they've got a game plan. They've got a, a way they want to approach the game. And there was only a minute or so into the game. So 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 go with another attacking option and, and play with that number ten. Um, you know, so I was, I was I was quite pleased to see that. And we 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 need Traoré really to to have more minutes on the field, don't we? So so that was good. Um, I mean, Barkley hadn't been away with any international. Teams. Um, he presumably just been training with Villa over the international period. Um, so I think I think he's a player that perhaps just just suffers occasionally with, with little pulls and, and knocks here and there. And you know, he, he I don't think his injury record is is the best really. So you know, hopefully it's not it's not a long term one. Uh, I, I don't know. I think they've said it, it's a couple of weeks. I don't know if you've you've heard anything about that. Regan,
0: um, yeah, I think he said it, it's he's going to miss the next two games, I believe. Um, at a bare minimum, he he may be back for the third, but we'll, we'll have to see. Um, yeah, with, with the Traore sub, you know, it, it didn't help that there was this kind of narrative almost on the cameras when you know you see Barkley pulling up and like hobbling over to the the advertising board You you get a zoomed in a picture of Conor Hourihan, you know, warming up. So everyone initially thinks right. Connor's coming on, and then all of a sudden, you, you you see uh you saw you see Traore taping up his knees and and getting ready to come on, but you know I was pleasantly surprised with with that move. It, it it's you know a lot of people have complained with how predictable Smith can be with his substitutions. You know, especially last year, it was very much seventieth minute Trez going to replace El Ghazi or vice versa, and you know it, it. The fact that it shocked fans would mean that it it shocked. Potter and, and and Brighton as well, um, so yeah, I think you know it was important to get Troy some some more minutes, and I thought he looked you know he look, he looked good while he was on the pitch.
1: Yeah, he certainly didn't didn't have a bad game. He probably faded a bit second half, but I thought I thought everyone did really, and and you know he he had that he had that one um, good effort where he just he just switched it onto his left foot and and had a shot, which I thought was was excellent, you a know, good good sign really that he's you know, he's 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 looking to do that sort of thing and you know and, and, and have a go and, and try and score some goals which which is what we want from him really. We want him to be um, competitive within that that the, the the four or five players that are that are competing for those front front three places and um you know he he, he didn't he didn't have a bad game i think he, he you know he has got things to to work on to get him up to speed but you know i certainly don't don't think it was a bad a bad game from him I, I thought it was a bit of a shame that he got subbed off have, having been the sub um it's never a never a nice thing but i don't i think in the context of it um he virtually played the full match anyway so I, 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 it wasn't like he'd come on you know at half time and then got subbed off 20 minutes later he you know he was you know, he he played the full game really. So um, yeah, it was interesting, interesting move. Um, you know, uh, who knows what would have how how things would have worked out if if Connor had come on. But you know, it's not a bad thing to see us being a bit more attacking at home.
0: Yeah, and I think you know um, the the one thing about about Troy is Leon fans were that Leon fans were right about, and that's that he's incredibly one-footed you know every time he was on the ball you could see him kind of posturing to try and get it onto his his stronger foot which is his left um and you know it's somewhat predictable you know you're told all the time if you're perhaps a, a lesser player against better players you're always told to show them onto their weaker foot um and you know all you 've got to do with Troy is is that because he his right foot is almost non existent
1: yeah. yeah it's it's it 's going to be something they need to look at really and make sure that when he is on the ball in 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 close quarters to the, the final third that he's you know they 're working it onto his onto his, his favored foot really i mean it 's not ideal, is it i mean You know, for a long time now, people people say really professional footballers should be able to um, do something on their their weaker foot, and maybe maybe he can. He's just not not particularly confident there, is he? And and for for all we know, that's what's kept him. That's what makes him a sort of fifteen million pound winger rather than a you know thirty five million pound winger. Um, If he did have a bit of a right foot, maybe he'd be he'd he'd, he'd be um, playing for a. You know, still Chelsea or, or or something like that. You know, so um, yeah. But it's good. It was good to see him. Good to see him get some minutes anyway. And you know, it won't affect Connor. Connor will keep going, keep moaning, and keep working away. And and, and hopefully, I mean, he may get his chance now against West Ham.
0: Maybe we'll have to see. Um, but you know, early on in the game, Villa were pushing up high and and they looked fairly dangerous. Um, you know, Brighton had the odd chance on the break, and, and there was at one point, you know, Villa's back line was, without use of a better phrase, all over the place, you know, you've got Target hugging the left-hand side, and then Mings and Conser are almost sitting on him, and Cash forced to play as almost like a faux centre-back, um... And you know they, they were there was no defensive line, no defensive shape in this, and that allowed Danny Welbeck to to you know take advantage of the high line, latch onto a ball whilst into his own half, and race clear. Um, he produced a a very very strong finish to put Brighton in the lead, and you know really this Villa were masters of their own downfall. I think for for this goal. Um, I think Dean Smith tries to opt with a high line against perceived like mid table to, to bottom half teams, um, and I think you know a lot of the time yeah it will work but when you know your defenders are that out position in this high line then you, you you're bound to pay the price for it um, but you, you you do have to kind of give credit to welbeck for his composure you know Mart- martinez was was rushing out and, and he managed to lob him and you know f- fair play to welbeck for for scoring a goal like that
1: yeah absolutely I, th- I thought actually it was a bit of a he he sort of rolled back the years a little bit welbeck i thought he you know he showed real pace um and let, let's not okay i mean villa's high line i mean it was there's high and there's just ridiculous isn't there and you know they, they were they, I think you've got to be surely you've got to be on your on the halfway line at least um, so there's a, at least a chance of offside coming into play um, I mean Welbeck just had a he, you know he was he had a 5 5 to 10 yard head start as it was and he still had a lot to do um, a lot of players with lesser quality and lesser composure, you know, may, may pull up a little bit or, or not quite have the confidence to, to go directly at the goal. And, and certainly to produce that type of finish, you know, it was a very cool finish. You know, he, he can feel Ming's breathing down his neck there and just to have that composure to just to chip it rather than to, to kind of slide it in past, past Martinez, um, you know, was, was, was really good. I mean, showed his quality, um, but yeah, I mean, there's you know questions have to be asked about you know I I, I want to see us pushing up high um, and and squeezing teams back at Villa Park, um, but they had two pretty fast strikers on the field, um, and and that was always a danger that that was going to happen, you know when you've got you've got all our back four you know, sort of 10 yards inside their, their half, you know, it's, you only need one ball, don't you? One ball out and you, and you've, you've got turned around and it's a goal scoring opportunity. So yeah, very bit, bit concerning that really. Um, in a, in a way it's, it's good to see. And in a, in another way, it's a bit, it's a bit naive and, you know, it sort of goes against the, the, you know, what the work they did, um, after lockdown to, to really shore up that defense, um, and to make it a lot tighter, I thought it was a bit uh, a bit ill-advised. And you know, these things happen in games, don't they? But it looked like a sort of a natural tactic to, to push up like that, and it, it didn't didn't really work. And I thought I thought it more so. It, it kind of um, you know showed a, showed a lack of respect for the how good those those Brighton Brighton forwards are, really.
0: Yeah, it it is an issue that needs to be addressed. Like like I said, you know, it it could work against you know perceived lesser teams, West Brom, Fulham. You know, I I expect us to opt with similar tactics against them, but you know, I think Brighton are underestimated quite a lot, um, and especially perhaps this season because of their their poor start. But um, yeah, it was it was. Uh, it was gut-wrenching to see us concede a goal like that, really, even though Welbeck did, as, I, as I've already said, incredibly well with the finish. It, it was a frusta- frustrating half for Villa, really, you know, as they were searching for an equaliser. Watkins, Ming's, Traore all went close, um, but it was Trezeguet who had the biggest opportunity, uh, you know, arriving at the back post as, as night follows day. Um and his his initial chance was blocked before Trezeguet himself smashed his kind of rebounded effort over the bar. You know the goal was at his mercy. It was it was an absolute, absolute chance to 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 equalise before the end of the half. Um, it, it you know it's it's a sign of whilst Trezeguet has improved, there's still improvement to be made. You know he had four or five opportunities um, in that game to to score, and, and most of them flew over the bar. And ex-Villastorica Gabby Bangalore took to Twitter to to almost castigate the Egyptian, commenting that he couldn't finish his dinner. What do you make of this comment? And you know, is Gabby really in a position to make these comments, given how vital Trezeguet was last season and to the start of this season at Villa?
1: Yeah, I was I was a bit disappointed with Gabby. Really, um, you know, I did sort of tweet him back, <laughs> you know, sort of suggesting, you know, what what. what you know where was he you know how many chances was he finishing off in our in our last relegation campaign um you know previous to last season uh, when trezeguet was obviously scoring the goals which effectively kept us in the league um and he's he started this season tremendously well and and actually you know in many ways he was our he was our biggest attacking threat throughout the game um i thought he he wasn't just working hard, he was he was, you know, running at the opposition. He was he was trying to make things happen. He was making some excellent runs um in the final third. And I just think it's a bit you know, I d I don't like to see that because I think if, if Jack I mean Jack's missed chances, you know, Watkins has missed chances, but Gabby doesn't come out and make those comments about those players, does he? Um, it's almost like well, Trezeguet is a bit of an easy target, you know. He's, he, you know, we can have a little go at him and a little laugh at him, and I, I, I just thought it was a bit, you know. But, but I, I suppose you'd expect that off off someone like uh, Gabby, really, because he's, you know, his whole media persona and profile is is around, you know, making outlandish comments and and getting clicks and getting. Getting likes and 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 stirring people up, um, which is why he's at Talk Sport. So, <laughs> I suppose, I suppose that's um, to, that's kind of to be expected. I just thought it was a bit disappointing, really. And it kind of, I mean, it just goes to show, really, that he perhaps doesn't have an appreciation of, of of what the players are, are actually doing, other than other than perhaps Jack Grealish, um, who he talks up all the time continuously. Um, yeah, quite rightly, but. You know there, there are there are the cogs in the in the villa wheel now, um, and Trezeguet is certainly one of them. Um, yeah, I mean, the first chance that chance, the chance, you know, the big chance he missed was was a was a, was gilt edge. You know, he's he's just got to put that in, you know, in the other side of the post, and it was, um, you know, I thought it was in. I think everyone thought it was in. Um, and maybe it's a sign that you, you know he's he's obviously improved massively, um, particularly during this calendar year. Um, settled really well into the Premier League, and, and we expect higher standards of him now. Perhaps uh, he's perhaps he's a bit of a victim of his own success in that respect. But yeah, do, yeah, I'm not um, wasn't too keen on, on 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 Gabby's comments. What what did you think of it?
0: I just thought it was it was inflammatory, you know, like and and as you said, that's the life of a, a, a talk sport pundit nowadays. Um, but I, I don't think there was any need for it, you know. I um, I tweeted, uh, well retweeted it, saying it was almost like the 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 pot calling the kettle black kind of thing, you know. He he's missed some sitters in his time. Yes, whilst he is our Premier League leading goal scorer. You know, the the people were sharing a news article saying, um, "I think I can't remember who who the game was against. It was either Chelsea or Spurs or or something like that." But there was one game where he had eight touches and two of those were kickoffs. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah in game. a game. Yeah, so, yeah. It, I mean, it, it, but but this is the thing with Gabby. He, he, he dines out on the on the fact that he's Villa's pre- leading Premier League scorer but people forget you know you forget that that was over a number of years you know he, he, and he hasn't got a huge total it's not like he's got 150 goals um and yeah i mean he was a, he was a good servant to villa but in the in the grand scheme of things he i think recently um and for younger fans maybe he's a bit he's a bit of an icon because he's a brummy lad um obviously you know he says he's a he's a villa fan which i'm sure he is and he scored, he scored goals, and he was a bit of a a bit of a a halt end hero in a in a good time for Villa when when Marty O'Neill was there, um, being a local boy and, and so on. But really, I mean, a lot of his career was 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 tinged with disappointment, you know, and not scoring enough goals and not quite being the the talisman that that we needed him to be at times, and also having a having a bit of a dodgy time off the pitch as well and i I just think he's gotta look at himself he's I mean hes he's entitled to his opinion you know like like we all are you know I haven't got any Premier League goals you know <laughs> um but but he's 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 also um gotta to, gotta to think about what he's saying a little bit really and he let this he let villa down badly in the last year or so of of um of us being in the Premier League and never really recovered, never really did did anything then in the championship either. So he's gotta he's gotta, you know, sort of pipe down a little bit with that, that level of criticism um about a player who's who's for me is on the up and up. He's I think he gets he gets better every week for me. And he's missed a couple of chances which have which have cost us. But let's not forget, um without those those goals at the end of last season you know we're not playing brighton in the premier league we're playing you know bournemouth in, in well not bournemouth probably but we're playing a, a, you know in the in the championship aren't we and you know we haven't got jack grealish and and barkley and watkins and people like this that we're enjoying watching so um fair play to him i think
0: yeah i completely agree now the the uh, the second half, Villa got a breakthrough. You know, it was it was a bit of a lifeline. Um, a free kick swung in by Bertrand Traore, who we've already spoken about. You know, it was a peach of a ball. Uh, you know, fell perfectly for for Esri Concer to slide in and almost like volley it into the net at the, the far post. You know, it was no more than Villa deserved after after pressing for throughout the the, the remaining time of the of the first half. Um, you know and and you know Conza once again has proven his worth in both boxes, but you know at the same time Conza was at fault for the first goal especially and and a couple of chances that that came you know nil mappoy's way um how would you assess Conza's improvements and, and and his current value to the villa team
1: well he's a he's a work in progress, isn't he um I just watch Conza, and I think he is he's got the makings of being a really top center half for the next 10 or 15 years. um he's very very mature. um he's 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 very calm and he he has a he's he has a defensive mindset so um which is you know he's he's not necessarily always looking for a, for a forward pass or a or 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 to to do to set up an attack or anything like that. He's just interested in keeping the ball out of the net. Now he does. He's, he's obviously going to make some mistakes because he's, he's he's a young player, isn't he? At the end of the day, and you know it was it was only a couple of years ago he was he, you know he was at Charlton, wasn't he? I think and and, and moving to Brentford, and um, you know now he's 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 playing in the Premier League and he's he's acquitting himself really well. I actually think potentially he's 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 a better defender. Even than than, than Tyro Mings, um, I think they work well together. I think Mings is, is certainly more of a an organizer, isn't he? Mings is probably a little bit better on the ball, but um, defensive wise, I've I've no no um, issue with with Konza. And yet, yeah, I think maybe some of the some of the defensive um, tactics that we're using and on that we were used on on Saturday were, were perhaps not not ideal for him really i am not sure how comfortable he is pushing up like that um i think he probably feels a little bit a little bit safer playing you know you know starting a bit deeper um but i guess it's just something he's he's got to work on with his game and work on with with JT and 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 so on on the training ground and but I, but i i i just think he's he's improved imme- immeasurably his confidence he looks like a premier league defender now and yeah you you also want these big lads to, to to get in there and make the presence felt you know from set pieces at the other end and that's two now this season um uh it's a shame this one you know didn't actually sort of count for anything in the end but it just shows that, it, that he is dangerous from those those circumstances as well i mean what are you are you a fan of Konza? do you see him do you see him improving further?
0: Yeah, I do. Yeah, he's you know still still quite young. He's still got you know time ahead of him. Really, he's got all the time in the world to to improve. There's a player that I do feel a little bit sorry for though, and and that's Courtney Hawes You know, I've mentioned this before on the podcast countless times. And statistically, in the air, he's one of the standout defenders in Europe. You know, in terms of aerial jaws and aerial clearances. So surely you'd want to use that. Um, you know, to your advantage. It was it was quite um interesting to see him involved in so much of our attacking play at the the resumption of the Premier League last season, you know, I think I think we'd struggled in our first couple of games to get shots on target and I think I think the vast majority of them came from Courtney Hawes's headers. <laughs> um I think you're right, yeah. But, you know, for me, if we're wanting to play a certain way um against teams that are perhaps good in the air and and things like that then then why not play Courtney Hawes at left back um you know we've seen him do it before he's got the pace to get up and down he's got a good pass on him um and I think you know his height his aerial ability is is something that we need in the team at times um and and you know we've we've seen it a couple of times before Ming's doing the kind of zonal like solo zonal marking where he's supposed to attack the ball. well, why don't you have Ming's man marking the tallest player on the pitch and then have Courtney Hawes doing that if he's so good in the air um but you know it it's it's just a case of wait and see for him, I guess I think you you got to wait for wait for an opportunity and, and hopefully he'll take it
1: I think you're right with with Hawes. I think it is an interesting one because i think because maybe because of the way he joined the the club and obviously coming from wolves and he wasn't he wasn't a a starter at wolves by any means um he he just has this um you know that fans don't really see him as a as a as a viable sort of first choice option for some reason there's just something something about him um but whenever i've watched him play I mean, he obviously he's, he's good in the air and he's, he's dangerous in both areas. But he's also excellent on the ball, and he, his distribution as well. You know, it's his, his range of passing is actually on off his left foot is actually he's actually really good. Um, again, he he had a, a a pretty good understanding with with Mings um, at various times um, over the last couple of years, and. He is, for me, he is he is definitely a viable option, but not only, um, like you said, centre back, but also a, a potentially a left back if you just wanted to be a bit more compact and a bit more defensive, um, because he's he can play as well. He can join in. He can probably, uh, you know, get up and down just like Target can. Really, um, you know, his de- deliveries you know might not be as good but i mean he can still he can still do that job down the left hand side so he can effectively play in in three of the comfortably in three of the the back four positions because he's you know he's played a lot on the right hand side of the defense as well so um i i, I tend to agree i think he's he's a, he's a really sort of interesting one um and it'd be interesting to see if um if ming's did miss miss some games, um suspension or injury, how how Courtney Hawes would do really coming in. Um because he'd undoubtedly replace him uh, on the left side. Um and it it'd be just really interesting. I wonder if he just lacks that little bit of um that little bit of leadership and and and, and organisational skills that Mings has. I mean clearly Mings you know is is, is vital to 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 the organisation of that defence, um, you know, but but yeah, I'm 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 a fan of him, and I think I think absolutely. you know, you've got you you've got a, a massive point in terms of the the set pieces and the and the the aerial prowess in the team. I think you know, someone like Hawes is is potentially invaluable.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. You know, uh, he's. <laughs> It's it's just one of those things isn't it you know like Ming's and Conor are almost undroppable at the moment I feel a bit of for Engels as well because he's He's just not getting a look in at all. But when you know we can keep clean sheets against the likes of Arsenal and and so forth, then of course they're undroppable. But I think then you know you suffer a bit with the kind of undroppable mentality, thinking I can make a mistake and I'm not going to lose my spot in the team. So it it's balancing the two really. Um, but back back to the Brighton game, you know, d- despite the lifeline that concert concert gave. Villa, Villa struggled to increase their foothold in the match, and and and, you know, the the onslaught towards the Brighton goal that we were expecting never really materialized. Instead, Brighton took back the leads. You know, a sharp move found Solly March in space, who then. Produced an exquisite finish, really, into Martinez's top corner. You know, we've we've seen some pretty outstanding goals go against Villa this season. Bamford for Leeds, Ward-Prowse, both of his free kicks. Um, you know, it's difficult to blame the goalkeepers uh, and and sometimes even the defenders when attackers produce moments of magic. But you know, some of these goals are preventable. How how do we
1: prevent these goals and situations moving forward? well i suppose from some point it's it's very hard isn't it it's it's kind of if if a player i mean i think back to the banford the the, the, the two uh the second two banford goals against leeds and and you sort of think well what do you do about that you know he's 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 actually he, he's actually produced two of two of the best finishes i've seen in a long time at, at, at villa park you know they they're right up there um we we talked um, after the Southampton game, didn't we, about about making mistakes, silly mistakes, costing set pieces, um, and you know just some of that sort of in-game professionalism and maturity, perhaps perhaps just lacking a little bit um, at times. And, and let's not forget, we are still a young side. I just felt there was something a little bit a, a bit weak about that that second goal great finish and and martinez has no chance with it but at the same time he there was it just felt a little bit too easy for them to get in and 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 you know and play the ball across our penalty area like that and i, I just it was a little bit oh no that's you know when we, when i was expecting us to 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 be sort of honing in on 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 their goal um after we equalized you know we end up down the other end and it was all a little bit a little bit pedestrian and a bit a bit half-hearted i suppose and you end up with a with a very good finish but players you know these 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 players are all capable of doing that you know they're all capable of, of picking out the top corner if you give them enough space and it just felt like we were a bit slow to to you know to to get after them at, you know in in that in that instance really I mean how, how did you see it I think
0: it is something to do with the, the pressing you know that there's so many times where we look like we're just so willing to press but then there's others where we're kind of just delaying it almost um and I think you know at times maybe Douglas Louise needs more support from the likes of John McGinn um but yeah, it, it's it's interesting because we've had these home losses, and we've still seen this team go, you know, like somewhat unchanged throughout the 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 time uh, that we've been playing in the Premier League this season. You know, there's there's more defensive minded players in in the likes of Nakamba that are, are waiting for their opportunity, um, and you know perhaps we see some changes starting to be made um especially in home games where our form isn't as strong as it is away at the moment um but you know really i i'm not entirely sure i'm i'm not i'm not a football manager so it's 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 something we've got to keep an eye on and and try and you know come up with reasons as to why why these goals are happening so often
1: yeah i think i think sometimes we just lack that little bit of um concentration maybe at times and you know, we we were obviously perhaps more tuned in to, to, to trying to get the winner at that point rather than rather than, you know, continuing that uh, some of that some of the defensive intensity maybe. Um you make an interesting point about Nakamba because uh Douglas Louise has 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 obviously nailed down that number six spot really. Um he's been tremendous um but I just wonder whether, again, you know, we're talking about hindsight, aren't we? But, um, you know, Dougie's just come back from from Brazil after playing, did he play in all three Brazil games? Um, he played in at least two. Yeah, and and, you know, he's done a lot of travelling and he's got back on Friday afternoon. And then I'm sure he's, you know, he's assessed and everything and he's, you know, I'm sure he's, they see him as, as fit and ready to go, but there's got to be a bit of a fatigue element there with the best will in the world. There has to be, I mean, I, you know, I'll fly back from Menorca and I'll be, I'll be tired for two days, you know, <laughs> um, so, you know, that, that's a long, it's a long journey. A lot of football played, uh, in a different environment, um, but then I think Nakamba had been away as well, so it's so it's kind of, it's it's it's, you know, it's not an easy balance, is it? To when you've got players flying all around the world, in difficult conditions at the moment as well. Travelling's not as easy as it as it was, as it was before. So, um, it's a hard thing to to, to judge and maybe they just felt you know he he's got enough to 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 kind of get through it really and but whether he'd have whether you under normal circumstances you'd just put Nakamba next to him and and see and and just take a bit of that workload off him really and let him let him um focus a bit more on 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 making the play which is he's, he's also excellent at but um and maybe then that gives us a little bit more intensity around our, the edge of our own penalty area um but, yeah, I mean, I'm, there's a few players who you sort of start to think, you know, have they got more of a role to play than, than perhaps we thought? And maybe Nakamba and Courtney Hawes and people like that are, are, are not too far away from, from being involved, really.
0: Yeah, it's almost like we're pay, paying the price a little bit for, for our transfer policy, you know. We've got so many players that that are of international standard, international quality now, that, you know, when international friendlies come up and and things towards that then you know we're playing a game where so many of our players are fatigued you know Jack Grealish looked jaded by the end of that match McGinn looked jaded by the end of that match um you know Trezeguet played for Egypt and to be fair I've, uh, since he's kind of hit the hit his stride strode of 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 like full fitness in the prem I don't think I've ever seen him look overly too tired um but it's it. I think we are paying the price a little bit, and perhaps it is time. If you know, a, an an important player per se is jaded, like Grealish, then perhaps it, it's time to you know consider subbing him off.
1: Well, I think I think all players need to to be um, to be able to be substituted. I mean. I, for, you know you'd you'd always rather have a you know fresh a fresh player rather than a tired player no matter how good they are i think at times and you know it, it, he's he doesn't mind taking it seems like jack grealish is the only one he he won't take off and and i can understand that to to a point um but i think you have to keep an open mind about it and sometimes you know that the, there's just a need to have you know 11 players that are are fully at it um you know rather than 10 and and your star player who's who's he's struggling a bit but but Grealish seems to be able to find he he often looks knackered but he he tends to be able to find those little pockets of energy doesn't he to to just make that last lung bursting run run at the at the defense or, or or just try and open open them up and and so much of what I mean, he's a very physical player. He's a, I mean, he's a hell of an athlete. Um, but so much of what he does is, is is in his head as well. And, you know, obviously very intelligent. And he just needs a little opening at times, doesn't he? And he's always worth having him on the field for, for that reason. And that's why you even... I mean, this is where, you know, Paul Gascoigne, the, the comparisons come because... If you've got someone like that on the field, they might not do anything for, for ninety minutes, and then you've just then you, they produce a moment of magic that that wins you a game, and so sometimes that it's worth having those people around, and maybe that's why Smith's a bit reluctant to to take him off at times. But we need to be, I think we do need to be rotating more, um, just a little bit, and and I think the injuries will come and and that will happen naturally, to be honest, but. Um what we need to avoid is 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 hopefully the, the, the five sub rule um won't get, get voted in and, and um you know we can we can continue to to manage with with a relatively small group of, of first team players.
0: On the subject of Grealish, I've just been, been reading um a piece by NBC Sports, obviously an American outlet and there's been a lot of stuff in uh, in regards to Grealish to, to Manchester this this upcoming window or next summer, and and not Manchester United as as many might expect, Man City. Apparently, Pep Guardiola is very interested in him making him the, the almost like centerpiece to uh, to his squad, almost a, a David Silva replacement, almost. Um, but NBC. Uh, uh, Reporting that there's possibly a release clause for Grealish in his new contract, and they're stating it's 133 million dollars, which in pounds equates to about 100 million. So that's quite interesting, but I'm I'm not entirely convinced with that.
1: Well, I mean, I I, I don't really see um, Grealish doing that. I, I mean, I don't I, I don't know really. I mean, it, nothing would surprise me in football. Um, I mean, I've heard these these rumours, and I'm sure I'm sure Pep Guardiola is a huge fan of of Jack Grealish. And when you watch his performances, there's, there's not been anyone better than him. And I've said said this before. For me, is the best at the moment. He's the best player in the Premier League. So it stands to reason that that, that, that Guardiola would be interested in him. Um, whether I mean, who knows if there if there's a release clause, then that that seems uh that makes it to me that 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 invalidates all that that talk about his new contract and and staying at the club and wanting to, and wanting to build the club because you know that's the same as Fabian Delf said really isn't it um albeit a, a much larger release clause i just think when you sign a contract with a release clause you're essentially saying i haven't moved yet but you know i'd like it to be Possibility in the future, and and uh, you know, look. I, I mean, none of us know what's in Jack Grealish's contract, and neither should we. Um, you know, be be uh, um, privy to that. So, um, you know, who who knows? I'd be very surprised if he if, if he if he went anywhere in January. Um, I'd certainly hope not. I'd be very disappointed.
0: But I think, you know, even with release clauses, all it means is that, you know, the club has to allow the player to speak to the club that have. have broken the release clause it doesn't mean that he has to move it just means that they are then allowed to kind of you know sit him down and say this is what we want this is what we'll offer you so forth so forth so you know it, it depends on, on on jack really if that is the case but you know it's coming from NBC. i can't understand why um you know you know american journalists would have more information than perhaps you know like greg evans or or ashley priest so you know it's perhaps just just a bit of a a clickbait kind of kind of thing but i thought it was it was interesting enough to raise um but let's get back to the uh the, the Brighton game. Villa pressed forward looking to salvage something from the game, but were largely kept at arm's length by Brighton. You know, the, I, I was speaking in our, in our little group chat during the game and I was saying, how many, how many defenders do they want to bring onto the pitch? They replaced Lalana with Feltman, who was naturally a centre-back who was playing in midfield. Um, and then I think they took off more Poy and on um, Dan Byrne who was another centre-back so you know c- towards the end of the game it was like they had two full-backs and about four or five centre-backs um, it made it very hard for us to break them down and um, but you know, towards the end of the game, um, Michael Oliver gave what looked like a nailed-on penalty in injury time for uh, Solly March's pow- uh, foul on on Trezeguet. You know, it was a reasonably lengthy VAR check that followed, uh, and Oliver himself checked the pitch-side monitor and, and reversed his decision. Um, the su- there are suggestions that that March has-, has has won the ball before making contact with Trezeguet, but. It's the follow through, you know. The Villa players have said that they could hear the follow through, and despite winning the ball, you know, you you see players elsewhere on the pitch that concede free kicks and and stuff that have gone in for a challenge, won the ball, but it's the follow through that is the nasty part of the challenge. So, you know, I can I can completely understand why why Villa fans, players, management were were bemused at the decision, um, but at the same time, I can I can kind of see why why Oliver changed his mind.
1: Um, no, well, I, I can see why technically he changed his mind. Maybe I, I, I struggle with it because for the reasons you said, um, I think in any of the parts of the field that's that's given as a foul, you know, quite rightly because he's he's taken him down. Is is is? It's not a it, Trezeguet has has undoubtedly um, jumped up in the air, hasn't he? He's, he's, he's exaggerated that the fall. But he's 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 been caught on the leg and he's and he's gone down and you know to suggest as well that March won the ball I think you know was he's a bit he, he didn't win the ball he the ball flicked off him maybe um, which seemed to um, but I certainly wouldn't call that winning the ball and and it was more of a foul than than a than a clean tackle I would have said so um, I thought it was a, a really poor piece of, of refereeing um, I'm not. Particularly a fan of VAR, anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't think many many football fans are really, um, unless decisions go for them, I suppose. Um, but I'd rather I'd rather have it not there. On balance, and I just thought it was an astonishing decision. I thought to to reverse it for that. Um, I mean, the clear and obvious thing has gone out the window, hasn't it? It's just it's just not it's just not a thing anymore, is it? It's um, it's just any kind of technicality that they can think of to to change the decision it, it feels like, and that's the same with with our sides and balls and 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 in this in this situation as well. I think the problem that that we have with with var is that um and I've said this all along that 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 ninety probably ninety percent of the decisions in football are, are are so um you know open to interpretation. That it's impossible to come to a correct decision. You know, throughout my time of watching football, I've watched pundits um, disagreeing over over decisions during a game, penalty decisions, or, or whatever it happens to be. You, one will say, "Yeah, that's," I think that's a penalty, and the other one will say, "No, it isn't." So, I think it just had the. Sometimes you just have to accept that. The ref gives a decision on the day, and that's it. You know, and I, I, we've we've done that since the dawn of football. So I don't really see why suddenly that has to be any different. And I mean, we could talk all day, could not we, about VAR and the rights and wrongs of it? But that just seems like such a petty reason to to dis, to overturn his decision. Which what? Which? And it wasn't it wasn't a clear and obvious blunder, was it? It was a decision that we all looked at and said, yeah, that's a penalty. And the, the people on the, the commentators said, that seems like a penalty. And we all just assumed that the VIR check was a, like, just to conclude it, really, just to, you know, just to rubber stamp it. But, you know, I just thought, I thought it was a really, it just, it just struck me as being the type of referee that, you know, that more sort of showcasing what they can do rather than, Get, trying to get the right decision, and I, I just uh, I was ve- I was incredibly disappointed with it, and I'm sure Dean Smith and everyone else was as well at Villa because it was, you know, obviously you've still got to score the penalty, but it, you know, potentially we've got a, a point which we probably deserved on balance, and and, um, y- you know, for some reason that was taken away from us.
0: Yeah, and obviously. This defeat was Villa's third of the season. You know, all all have come at home, and you know, whilst the the five wins represent an excellent start to the season, there's there's now a worrying trend of poor poor home form developing. You know, Dean Smith and his staff will have to find a way to turn this around because Villa Park generally is where we have our our best form. Do you think it's perhaps a a lack of home fans at Villa Park, or or is our style of play more suited to an away day? You know, there's so many different reasonings as to why this could be the case.
1: Yeah, I mean, I th- I just think that the whole situation at the moment is is opening is opening teams up to to these kind of strange patterns, um, which we're not we're not really used to. Um, you know, high scoring games, um, big away wins. Um, things like that, you know, and obviously an inconsistency levels across the league. Really, I think I think everyone has has been inconsistent, other than the two or three teams at the bottom that that are consistently bad. Everyone else has 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 been has been up and down, really, and even even I mean, City are, are sat in twelfth, are they, or something like that, and it's uh it's it's a really strange kind of season and I'm sure the, the lack of fans has something to do with that because it just changes the dynamic in the in the ground doesn't it um, in the game and you know alters the way teams perhaps approach things and and, and things that, that, that players do with within the game really so um, it's it's a strange one I think maybe we are a bit better set up to, to play away from home we've had teams like that in the past, don't we? I, I remember, um, I think Martin O'Neill's teams were, were always very good away from home because they were very strong and very fast, um, on the counter-attack and maybe the way we, we play in particularly like the style of play against, we saw against Arsenal, for example, as, as, as you know, perhaps more suited to going somewhere and, you know, and, and, and dismantling, uh, the home team's, um, uh, tactics, really, I suppose, an approach to the game. So, um, but it's just, it's just a bit of a worrying trend, you know, to, to lose those games, and particularly against teams where you'd, you'd sort of hope that you'd, you'd put in a better show, really. Um, so, I don't know whether we just set up a little bit differently away, or whether the Barkley injury on this occasion had more of an impact than we than we hoped. Um I mean what 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 do you think? Do you think it's got anything to do with the you know the the fans situation or or, or is it just the way it's going so far?
0: I think it's just that it's just this season, you know, I think it's gonna bring in some some real shocks. It already has in, you know, 7 2 um dismantling of Liverpool that we had but i think you know i think the the top 6 is going to look almostly different to what you'd expect it would have expected at the start of the season you know a lot of people thought it's going to be the same old same old you know arsenal uh man united man city liverpool spurs Leicester, etc et but i think i think there's going to be a couple of teams that people don't expect to to um, be in that contention to to actually Maybe even finish there, um, but you know you mentioned fans, and and the government have announced recently that, that fans can return to stadiums in. Uh, it's like a percentage based on on the maximum capacity of the ground, and and dependent on on which tier that the 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 place is in. You know, and Birmingham was likely to be tier three, so I think you know. Um, I think Villa Park's not going to see fans anytime, anytime soon. But you know, it, it, does that pose some kind of unfairness? You know, let's say London's in a, a tier one, and any time you go say for the board, are you going to have fans at games?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that will that will cause a bit of an issue. I think it, I think it initially, um, I don't think it will. I think I think most people are pretty resigned to the fact that probably until maybe the end of February, early March or, or dependent largely on, on the, on the vaccine situation. I think that, um, that, that fans won't be in grounds in any great numbers. Um, and how much of an effect having say two or 4,000 fans at Villa park would have realistically, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I heard Perslow saying, um, previously that having, having a, like a ten percent um, attendance at Villa Park wouldn't just wouldn't be worth their while putting on because it, it would you know you've got to you've got to obviously you know open the stadium and pay pay for 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 services and and various things to to operate so um it's it's a step forward though isn't it in terms of in terms of that idea that. This isn't hopefully going to be forever, and that, and that they are looking seriously at allowing, you know, supporters back. And, you know, even more so, I think, for the smaller teams. I mean, for example, at Warsaw, you know, if, if they could have, if they were saying tier two and they could have 2,000 fans, that'd be pretty close to their regular gate anyway for, for you know, for some games. So, um, I just think it's more to benefit the, 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 the League One, League Two, the non League clubs, so they can start getting some some gate money back in really and um the the Premier League can manage as it is. Um and, and, and you know, clubs that are in a tier one situation, um, I think they suggested maybe Brighton and Southampton. Um, you know, they can they can do a bit of the groundwork in in, in testing it all out and and, and um, informing the process really um, but but ultimately I don't think having two or four thousand fans in, in these big stadiums really makes an awful lot awful lot of difference um, over a few games I think it'll be fine
0: especially so as well when you know you've seen reports coming out saying that fans won't be allowed to to sing or eat or drink or anything really well you know it's it's going to be like the theatre you're just going to be sat there clapping Um but yeah, I don't, I don't
1: know if that's true. I think I think they'd be, uh, but but having said that, if you're sat in a in Villa Park and there's two thousand people in there, you know you're not going to be necessarily singing and shouting anyway because it's it's a less of a you know that kind of crowd mentality is not there, is it? So it's not going to create the same sort of atmosphere anyway. It's just a case of you'd go there to watch the game rather than watching it at home, I suppose. Um, it's not going to be about about the atmosphere. It's it's going to be more about just being there and watching the games. I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, how would would you if you got chance would you go if it was a, a two or four thousand? If say the next game they said oh you know we can have two thousand fans in would you and you could and you got a chance would you would you go?
0: Personally, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to go until everyone can go. Um... You know, it's uh, it's the community aspect that makes that makes football great, and I think you know it's. Whilst there are you know there are people so much more deserving than me that 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 can that can can and should go to games, Um, you know those with, you know long season ticket histories and things like that. You know I'd want them back before me. Um, You know I I'm 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 a regular attendee at Villa Park, but. I don't have a season ticket so it's for me I wouldn't want to go until you know everyone can go as well because I think you know it's, I think it, there's there's just no point I I, I, I I kind of feel like the Premier League may even turn around and just say you know what like fans can come in next season if if you know things stay similar or the same you know we'll leave it as it is for this season Um but we'll, we'll have to wait and see um, more away from the pitch kind of talk a worrying report emerged this week regarding hate crime abuse in and around match days it suggested that Aston Villa matches had drawn the most reports of any other club with 13 recorded by the home office whether it be racist homophobic or religious in nature much of the debate around this has been around the relatively small seeming number of reports and That this may be mitigated by Villa fans almost being more willing to report this than other supporters. But, you know, these arguments don't really make sense when, when Aston Villa are working hard to eliminate all types of discrimination from the club and the stadium. You know, they've joined initiatives such as All In to ensure the club is representative and a safe place for everyone there's clearly been divisive is uh divisive issues politically and in society over recent years, and you know this alongside an increased awareness of what is not acceptable means we're experiencing these these attitudes both at matches and online within within football you know football's always kind of mirrored society in some aspects but that doesn't mean it can't take a stand and and be a leader in education and and you know then filter out into normal society. I've had experiences myself where I've heard, you know, especially directed towards the players more so than, you know, other fans. Um I've I've heard fans saying things about players' nationalities, players' religions and, you know, it, it is unacceptable and, you know, when we do return to the stands and and even on social media i urge you know everyone to report things when they see them and, and don't let people get away with things you know if it's on twitter retweet it and 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 show the masses you know we we do it we 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 call stuff out and when we're unafraid to you know retweet something that is inflammatory or 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 you know bigoted and 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 we want people to see it because it means that the person's more likely to face some kind of retribution for their actions
1: yeah i i totally echo that i think it's it's just depressing i mean i i i was in a i've been in a position where i've i've reported um one or two things via the kick it out app and i'd, I'd recommend um Everyone download that app because it's really really easy to use when you're at the gr- at the ground as well if you've got signal I suppose, um, but you can you can you can report things obviously where you are and it's confidential and anom- anonymous or so you can make it anonymous, um, and it's really to to give to give the club and and various organisations the the opportunity to, to start dealing with it and you know, in whatever way that is, whether that's direct punishment to the perpetrators or whether that's through sort of more intelligent um sort of educational kind of um output and, and, and things like that from the club and the and the sport as a whole really. I think you know, clearly there's there's issues in society, you know, we, we know this, we know the political environment um that we're in. Um, and unfortunately, um, people with low morals, probably relatively low IQs, um, feel emboldened when, when, when during this type of political uh, culture um, to, to, to come out and just say what they want. Clear. I mean, Twitter's Twitter's a cesspool. We know this. It's it's a it's an awful. Place for it, um, you know. I've become quite proficient at at making my timeline, at cleaning my timeline of of of, of, of all that sort of thing, and I'll continue to do that. I use the block and the mute button on a regular basis if I need to, and you know that that makes my social media experience um, all the better. But at games, it's just it's just depressing when you hear. Even something like you know, obviously, we, the, you know the the videos went round, didn't they? Of the there was the Esri concert chant, and there was the the Kamba, which was even worse. I mean, the 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 Nikamba one was 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 horrific, really. Um, and people don't either they don't understand or they're ignorant to 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 what these things mean and and the the context of them. And they they think it's it's not it's, you know you're not directly racially abusing someone so it's okay and it, it just really isn't it's you know and I don't know how we go about it's just it's just education and talking about it I think and when we do um, hear things just reporting it and and making authorities and the club aware of it um, as much as we can um, but it's, it's 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 got to change because I if if you know I'm I'm Speaking from a position of being a Sort of a middle aged You know white man You know um, I'm not one of the protected Categories I can go anywhere and feel Feel okay but I just can't imagine What it must be like to be um, you, you know Of of a, a different Ethnic background Or to be um, Gay Or to be it's even to be a woman at a football match, which you know, but you hear stuff that women on Twitter um, will will say. You know, they they get this this abuse or they get this 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 these derogatory comments, and you just think that's I can't believe that that these these sorts of things go on, and it, it needs it needs rooting out. You know, because it's Villa Park. I want Villa Park to be representative of the city um, culturally. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a melting pot of of, of everything Birmingham is, it's, and it's brilliant. And I want Villa Park to be like that, and representative of that, and for everyone to feel safe and, and 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 welcome. And I'm sure you I'm sure you feel feel exactly the same as me.
0: I absolutely do, and you know, it is it is a good thing that we've got such you know, fan led initiatives like Villains Together, like the Punjabi Villains, like Villa and Proud that are there for for educational purposes and, and to kind of. Increase this this growing acceptance amongst football fans, but you know the fact that that we 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 topped this list is is an issue, and we need to work together as as a huge community. You know we're we're a worldwide community. There's over you know I'd say there's over seven hundred thousand Villa fans across the world at a bare minimum, um, and you know we, we need to work to get to get things changed both. Online and uh, and in the stadium.
1: There's there's no doubt about it that that Christian Perslow will look at those headlines because the headlines are in uh, you know they're on the BBC they're on Sky Sports Aston Villa are the, are the worst when it comes to hate crime. You know, the CEO and the owners aren't going to want to look at that and read that. I mean that's that's it, it that that's hugely embarrassing um, for the club and. They will want to sort that out, you know. They, they 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 can't have that. And you know, people say, "Well, it's it's only thirteen reports." Well, you are still top of the list, you know. It's still thirteen too many. And um, I, 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 you know, I would I mean, in a way, I'd like to see. I'd like to see it actually representative because I don't think thirteen is representative. Of what actually goes on, and I'd like to see more reporting of it, and, and the numbers go up before they go down, so we know exactly what the problem is.
0: There was a lot of um, there was a lot of reports that they couldn't attribute to a specific club, so the number could have been, you know, even higher than that. Um, but luckily, you know, the I'm pretty sure there's an AGM coming up. Um or some kind of fans representative meeting, so I'm sure personally I'll be quizzed about this by the likes of 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 Mild man said and and other fan groups that are invited to um these events um but you know let's let's hope that that Christian comes out with something that that you know we can all get behind uh, or that something that the club will will do moving forward um next up for Villa. Is West Ham United at the London Stadium. Um, you know, we're going to have to wait until Monday at 8pm to, to see this game. Uh, perhaps it's good for the players but not so good for the fans. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I want to get it done. I want to get it... I was hoping for
1: Tuesday night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's let's end this podcast as we,
1: we do all the time. Short and sweet. Predictions for the game. Okay. Um, I'm going to obviously predict a Villa win. I'm going to say 2-1 to Villa. Um, I expect... Hurahan to come in I think um, Into the midfield Just to shore things up a little bit Um, Yeah and I'm going for 2-1 What are you saying Regan?
0: I think every time I've predicted an away loss we've won quite heavily. <laughs> so I'm gonna say one nil to West Ham in the hopes that that'll that turn around and like you know, show me up and we'll win five nil or something.
1: You're gonna have to keep it if it is, we you're gonna have to keep it going, aren't you?
0: <laughs> we may we may go unbeaten away all season if I keep <laughs> predicting us to lose.
1: <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that
0: and and that's where we'll end this week's podcast uh if you have enjoyed it please do leave us a review on whatever platform that you've listened to us on um you know you can leave us a star rating or or whatever you like on apple podcasts um if you'd like to leave comments on our social media as well you know we're we're happy to to see things that you know people are enjoying the podcasts and whatnot and we, we always do respond um if you'd like to follow us on social media you can do so on Twitter at Villa Lamp, on Facebook for slash under a gaslit lamp and on Instagram at under a gaslit lamp. And as always guys, thanks for listening and up the villa.